imagine if men and women came into this. Women is the solution. Um, if you think about it that way, imagine having to pull from both genders or any gender or non-binary, transgender, whatever, uh, whoever wants to work and wants to be in the industry. And yeah, you need to find the independence, the passion. Welcome everybody uh, to the Great Canadian Market Trade Show uh, virtual conference session on women in industry. With me today uh, is my pleasure to have Josie Candido of a High Park Master Mechanic, who has really uh, carved out a very special place in the industry and in her community. I think uh, all who know her would agree, but we'll dig into that some more. And Catherine Jones, uh, who is a exceptionally skilled young professional in the aftermarket. Catherine, uh, you know, uh, we had a question from the attendees, you know, it was a pretty big question. And, and I think that certainly Josie has, has covered off some of that about, you know, why is there a lack of workers in the automotive trade? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons though, right, Catherine? And that is a big conversation that's currently happening at the AIA right now. Um, I am just handing over my chairpersonmanship, I guess if that's how you want to call it, to the new YPA chair who, I don't think it's been announced, so I'm not going to say who it is, but it will be announced at AGM next week. Um, and I'm also part of the Ontario division. And I hold my volunteer time with AIA very close to my heart because we speak a lot about these important initiatives. And that's getting more people into this trade. Um, I also go back quite a bit to the Automotive Business School of Canada because it is one of my biggest passions to continue talking to students and letting them know of the opportunities in this industry. One of the greatest uh, phrases that I, I heard last year that I've kind of taken and used it as my own is we need to lift as we lead. So as we are moving forward in our careers, we need to continuously look behind us and see who's coming into our positions and who's coming into those entry-level positions and making sure that we're lifting them up and preparing them for the future. I love calling students our future leaders because they are going to be our future leaders. All my work with ABSC, um, it's, it's, Honestly, it blows my mind because I walk into that school and a lot of these students are, oh, this, and I'm going to go work for a dealership and nice shiny rims and cars. And it's like, have you heard about the performance side of the aftermarket industry? And we're not just dirty car parts here. There's so much to it. There's collision. Um, there's, there's so many different avenues and opportunities for jobs here and getting that out there and letting people know about those opportunities. Um, and then also that for the trades, it's, I'm in my 30s and going through high school and kind of thinking about what we're going to do after high school, it was drilled into us. You have to go and you have to get a degree. That's what you need to do. So I think that that focus and that switch now needs to go back to trades and those skills are what's going to be moving our economy forward. Too many people are out there with a Bachelor of Arts degrees and what are they even working within their field? So we need to push more and more students that are in high school into those trades, talk to them about the programs at Centennial and really have that awareness top of mind when we're speaking to any of our future leaders. So it's, it's a big problem, but we are, we're starting and anybody that's going to speak to any type of student or college level, high school level, we need to be talking about our trades. Sure. It occurs to me also that through the pandemic that we are, you know, hopefully seeing uh, you know, the tail end of, uh, fingers crossed all around, 
you know, the automotive aftermarket in particular uh, was uh, one industry that uh, was allowed, as de declared to be an essential business, was allowed to keep operating. Uh, and uh, a lot of folks working in other industries that, that didn't have that, uh, uh, you know, have found themselves looking for other work, frankly. You know, I, I look at from the standpoint of folks coming into an industry and seeing an industry that's uh, pretty stable, uh, continuing to grow, lots of opportunities. Uh, you know, I, even Josie, uh, you know, the, a lot of people in industry wouldn't think they could go from a head office to like owning a business. Uh, it becomes your admin career and it's just an administrative career or whatever, a corporate career, if you want to call it that. And not making that transition to entrepreneurialism is something that um, I really believe the automotive aftermarket is particularly open to. Um, and we're going to see more of that as more people retire, look to sell their businesses. And so getting folks in at the right end um, is super important and, and being honest about the, uh, the opportunities that the automotive aftermarket can provide, regardless of uh, where you are on the gender spectrum or LGBTQ uh, 2S uh, identity. There, there's some opportunity to not just have a job, but to, to do pretty well if you're, if you're willing to put the work in, right? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, there's service advisors, uh, technicians, jobbers. Um, there's so much in the industry. You can just keep going and going. There's so many jobs. There's so many opportunities. But again, it has to start at home. It has to continue to grade school, high school. It needs to continue. It needs to um, uh, be part of it, advocate, be part of be part of organizations like AIA and Aero, which I'm part of both. Um, I, I've uh, had the privilege of being on a few committees and also doing like surveys, uh, some of the surveys that come up um, through AIA. And it's an incredible finding and the stuff that we need to do to do better in the aftermarket. And um, we just, I mean, and essential, like, I mean, hats off to all of you and that we were essential and we kept the economy going. I mean, without vehicles moving, where would we have been in the, in, in the, in, in the pandemic? I mean, hats off to everybody. And, and we had to work, we had to go into people's cars and, and COVID and all those measures we had to take, like hats off to everybody. We were surviving this. And I know there's many variants and, and people that haven't even had it for two years are getting it right now. And, and we're, we, we still have to keep our doors open, make modifications, do many modifications, but here we are. We're, we're a place to be. You can have a job. You can make money. You can have a career. It's not just, hey, you know, just like it's something you could do just because you don't feel like doing anything else. No, that whole perception needs to change. It's, it's an incredible thing. I love the industry and I'm, I'm going to sit here and, 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 and I'll always keep advocating. So one day we don't have to advocate for women to keep doing this, that it's not a topic anymore because we're, they're out there and we're, and we're all part of this. So that's my hope. And you can have, you can shoot for the, shoot for the moon. And if you land at the stars, you do great. And, and that's what, and that's what I feel. And, and I guess my favorite quote ever is people will maybe forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but they're never going to forget how you make them feel. And, and that's the feel that I want. If it's encouraging women, encouraging people, encouraging everybody from every background to get into the trade, get involved with your local schools. Um, like we don't want to get to just Centennial College. We need to start earlier um, and, and hopefully, and again, working with the politicians in my local area, 
I have, um, I've advocated in Ottawa for animals and I advocate also for women in positions and, and the stuff going on in Toronto, like so many things. I, I'm both involved with my MPP and PP in the area. And again, we got to keep advocating, like advocating and pushing. And I know AIA and AIR are both um, advocating and just like, um, you know, being able to get information in a few years because they're advocating and there's that MP, uh, MPP from, uh, I'm sorry, MP from Milton, who's doing great to get those laws passed. Um, so we can get the information so we can stay in the optimum market or 600,000 plus people are going to lose jobs if we don't get this information. So there's so much in the optimum market to be involved with. And I encourage everybody to be involved with these organizations, read your articles, be involved, subscribe to stuff, stay current. Um, you have to stay involved and, and, and get involved with the, your community and, and the kids at the high schools and try to be in like, I, I'm like, a, you know, me and the shop teacher, I'm Rui with the shop teacher. We have a relationship, uh, the one previous, the one now, the one that Rui grew up with and unfortunately passed away, but the new shop teacher, you know, and we just gab about the industry, you know, going to the school, gone into school, talk to the kids, inspire them. Um, and again, let's, let's inspire both male female transgender whoever to come to come into the trade and let's keep going and also government officials and and we just got to keep we got to keep at it right. so, yeah Catherine I, I think about your story uh, listening to Josie I think about your story about uh, you know even though you have you know multi-generational family involvement in the business but you had that one conversation or maybe it was more than one conversation uh, with a shop teacher uh, who said hey do you know about this, you know, at the Automotive Business School of Canada that, that set you on this path? And, it, you know, speculation tells me that, you know, he could have very well said, oh, you don't want to go in automotive. He could have. He, he definitely could have. And as um, a teenager, I, I realizing that I may be following in my father's footsteps here. And of course, as teenagers do, I went and worked for a dry cleaner and I, I tried my hand at working in an OE dealership because it was, oh, maybe I'll rebel a little bit. and I don't want to do what dad does and everything. But really, it came down to this is my true passion and this is what I love doing. Um, and it was actually a conversation with my shop teacher because I came to him discouraged after my co-op as a technician. And I said to him, I love cars so much. And this technician who's training me tells me that at the end of the day, he goes home and he doesn't necessarily want to work on his own cars. And now that that's the mindset of that one person. It's not the mindset of the entire industry, but I kind of went, I don't want to not work on my own cars at night. So how can I do something that I love so much, but also keep that passion alive? And I think it's really going through and figuring out all the different opportunities that are in this industry. Um, and that's what I used my co-ops for at Georgian. I, I did three co-ops at Georgian and I say the best thing I learned from them is what I didn't want to do in the industry. Um, <laughs> like I got to walk away at the end of four months, no bridges burned. Um, but that's where I realized that outside sales, that's what I love doing because I can walk into a jobber or an installer, automotive service provider, and, and kind of figure out like, hey, how can I bring more value to you and your customers with my, my products, my programs, all that sort of stuff. So it really, it was like trial and error. Where, where do I fit in this industry? So mentorships, I think mentorships are a great thing. There's, there's initiatives that still very ground level. I don't want to speak out of turn that YPA committee might be taking a look into because we really think having industry professionals 
connecting with students who are still figuring out their place in life can help them bring more people into this industry and show them the multiple different types of opportunities. So, cause he, yeah, my shop teacher could have said, oh, I don't think you want to go that way. But fortunately for me, he kind of laid out all my options and went, you can keep doing it this way. I think you could have a great career. You love cars, but have you heard about the automotive business school? And I hadn't. So having somebody there to kind of help guide us and show us where those opportunities are is it's a phenomenal thing. Let me ask you a, a, a kind of a follow-up to the earlier conversation about going in being, uh, you know, I mean, the role has changed some for you, Catherine, uh, you know, and you've grown into the roles and your experience has grown. Uh, but do you find, or do you believe that, uh, uh, as a woman, you kind of, your approaches may be different. Uh, is it, does, and, and does that provide an opportunity for the company you're working for to, you know, try something a little different with maybe different customers that uh, weren't responding to, uh, you know, the guy going in? Uh, I think so. I think as females, um, we pick up on different things. We pay attention to different things and, and we approach everything a bit different. Um, when I first started at the oil company, it always made me laugh because I was, I was doing a lot of cold calling then. I would just walk in and say, hey, here's who I am and here's what I do. How can I help grow your business? Everybody thought I was a customer. I took them full by surprise. And by that point, I had already spied out what many or what oil supplier they're using, all that sort of stuff. So it's like you kind of fly under the radar and then all of a sudden, the, oh, wait, you're selling me something. <laughs> so um, I, I always laughed at that because they never expected it out of me. So, but I think as females, there's just certain things that we pay attention to, little detail or something like that. Um, I know for sure when I was making all my sales notes, uploading in Salesforce or CRM, I would always kind of put a section of, well, what did we talk about that wasn't business? Did he tell me something about his wife or his daughter? Some of that more personal. And then I, you'd always figure out a way to incorporate that back into the conversation. And it's like, oh, holy crap. Like she remembered that. And it kind of, it breaks down that trust barrier and making, uh, having them trust you more. So I definitely think we have an advantage of females um, from our male counterparts and kind of those little things and how we operate and foster our relationships. At the end of the day, people buy from people who they like and have relationships with. So as a female, if it's easier for me to foster a relationship, I'm going to have some good sales numbers that month. <laughs> Right, right. What do you what do you think about what you're hearing from uh, Catherine Josie? Does that does that all ring true with you? Uh, Catherine's spectacular. Um, one of my things is the detail oriented customer service. She said all the magic words. Um, it's it's incredible. I mean, women are magical. We can do anything we put our minds to it. To any woman that's listening, you can you make any goal. You can achieve anything you want. Um, the woman's body, whoa, what she goes through and what she can accomplish. And when there's a woman that wants to get something and, and succeed in something, whatever she may want to do, um, it's an incredible force that you would want on your team. Um, also, when you have, if this, like a lot of the schools went away from these, uh, going back to the kids a little bit too, um, the, the high schools got rid of their shop programs. Like Central Tech in Toronto used to be all trades, got rid of it. So once these uh, young kids come to you, don't just make them sweep the floor, inspire them, mentor them, inspire them, 
men, women, doesn't matter who they are, inspire them. Don't just like use them as your, your shop garbage drawer. Like, I mean, you need to inspire these kids if you want them to come. The crisis is there. And as women, I look at that and I'm like, no, this is not just about, you know, doing this. And it's something that I brought to the table. We need to inspire these people. We need to hire women. We need to be an example of what we can do and what incredible things we could do working together and um, and working together with men. And, and funny enough, I don't have a single family member in my whole like genetic DNA that's even a mechanic. And I don't know, I'm enthralled. I don't know what I did in my past life. Um, but I am completely enthralled in the automotive and um, anybody wants a career. And again, to men, women, if you find you're in the industry and for some reason, someone is saying something to you inappropriately. The best thing I ever learned was from an ombudsman. She sued. She said to me, turn to the person. It doesn't have to be like an argument and even uncomfortable. They just said something you don't like. You turn to them and say, is that how you would want your daughter? or your mother or your sister to be treated, let's keep the wife out of there. Um, um, <laughs> so, um, you know, like, is that how you would want your loved one to be treated? Or is that how you would want, like, in their situation? So, like, yeah, like, let's, let's have in perspective, like, everybody has one of those people in their lives. So put it in perspective, like, make them really educate people. So if you're a woman, you're in a situation, use that line. It, uh, like saved me so many times in my career. Use that line or men. Think back, like would my daughter or my, my sister or any uh, female influence in your life, your mother, would she be comfortable in the environment at the shop? Or would employees be other uh, employees that come in or the co-op students come in? Are we respecting them and make them not respect the trade and treat them like they're at the bottom of the barrel? No, we have to inspire these kids to come on. So, you know, it, I think it's a very important part of it is how we lead and what we do to, to make the industry more inspiring for all to come into it. Yeah, it's, And it's, women, it's, you got this, you can do this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, very early on uh, in, in our conversation, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you know, sort of paraphrasing a little bit how, you know, take a step back as a, as a shop owner or, or, you know, and and w watch how your staff is interacting with with customers and, and think, you know, are they doing it? Are, are they treating uh, different customers differently based on maybe how they look or how they act or or how they believe their orientation to be because we don't always know. Um, uh, and and uh, it's it's not necessarily, I'm going to put words in people's mouths, so I apologize for that, not necessarily intentional, right? It's just a... a no, like that's why sometimes you have to look back. And I've had actually peers, like other franchisee owners, come and observe me for the day and see if there's any tips. Like I've always keep humble. There's always, always stay humble. Treat everybody the same like the saying they go the CEO or the janitor like you always have to stay humble you're not above your employees you're a team so you treat everybody your customers anybody that walks in the door doesn't matter what car they own doesn't matter how they dress it doesn't matter who comes walks through your door or how they, you answer the phone or or, or or what language they speak or what happens everybody deserves customer service yes we're on the business of repairing cars but we are in the business of customer service we need to we need to give it we need to be better than the dealer we are better than the dealer we don't even have to worry about the dealer um it's us focus in the aftermarket focus on what you're doing look at yourself look at what you could do to be better like 
our our friends in our neighborhood that own shops we're buddies we're friends we we're, we're not we don't have to worry about each other focus on what you're doing and how to make people feel you're not and I don't want to say the word mansplaining because it could be a woman service advisor but the way you've been talking to someone about their repairs like they don't understand it at everything like i said before people do their searching like the way you talk to people make them feel comfortable and with the repairs you need to make your customers feel that you know you're talking to them and you're you're advising them you're you're giving them recommendations and and to trust and transparency um i and there's digital stuff to help you with that too but you have to keep in the relationship add the digital great repairs and you have some magic happening that's a woman in there uh, I have a question from the from the attendees. Uh, Diane Freeman, uh, executive director at uh, Aftermarket Retailers of Ontario, asks: uh, Do do uh, the panelists, both uh, Josie and Catherine, feel we need to educate the parents on our industry so they can encourage their kids to come to the into the trades? Oh, I hundred percent believe so. Um, and that's one thing I think we're still kind of fighting against the stigma of what our industry is, and it has changed so so much. I mean, we have so many service providers out there, like Master Mechanic, that care deeply about their customers and are all about transparency and customer service. And then one bad apple comes and ruins a bunch. So, but that's not always the way it is. So educating parents on this is a great industry that your kids can join and then have a great career in, a fulfilling career, a career that can bring them so many different opportunities. It's key. Um, it all starts at home, as Josie has said, um, as and a lot of kids are guided by their parents and where they should go to school, um, what kind of programs they should take. So I definitely believe that that's part of fighting the stigma that we are as an industry here for you, here for the safety and the longevity of your vehicle, because we, we care about your safety on the road. And that, that's, that's what it's about, is making sure that we start at home, really. 100%. If it doesn't start at home, it doesn't start as children. Um, you know, bias, racism, um, uh, being uh, any any issue in society, it's at home. It starts with the children. We need to start there. And then when they go to grade school and then the high schools need to have more programs for the trades, they need to come back and the government needs to get involved. Uh, we need to have mentors, uh, the automotive trade. Everybody has a part. And if it doesn't start at home, and you're ready to tell your kid they have to be a doctor or a lawyer. And if they become into the trade that, you know, that's just like backup if it doesn't work out and needs to be, yes, you can make money. You can have a career. You can have a steady job. Um, and, it, and again, them proceeding, they're going into a mechanic shop and it, it is a respected. And I, I mean, we keep people on the road. We get people to Halifax to go to their trip for their family. We do something important. We keep people safe. We like that's our attempt. It's always to keep people safe. There is not one person listening or one shop owner that's not going to say that when you wake up in the morning and you go to work, that your job isn't to keep someone safe. And 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 that's not what their priority is, is to keep people and their car safe and advising them properly. Every single person wants that. So um, we just have to we have to continue it. And, and hopefully, you know, as the government gets involved, as we get involved and, and more chatter happens, we don't stop till it, it, it keeps going back to where we were because the trades were important back when the boomers were around and then something happened along the way. I'm, a, I'm on the X generation. So I'm a little bit on, the, and all, on all sides there. 
Um, we, we go along with everything. We're easygoing generations. Um, but yeah, we need to go back. Right. I, right. I, mean, I know, like I speak, speaking from experience, you know, I grew up in a household where uh, quite literally my father uh, turned upturned two garbage cans and then built a race car on them. But but when it came to taking shop at school, he's like, no, no, I'll teach you that, um, you know, and, and clearly they couldn't keep me away from it. But, you know, and probably for everybody's larger benefit, I did not become a technician because I don't think I have the patience for it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then I, I think that plays itself out all over. He was a tradesman uh, and, you know, I wasn't going to stay in the trades. I was going to, in his perception, you know, uh, take higher schooling, right? So, uh, um, and there's still a lot of that perception. But I have a question. Uh, do panelists think that one of the reasons that there's a lack of workers in the automotive trade is because of some sort of bad reputation that the automotive shops have or the trade in general that causes people not to want to get involved in the trade. What do you think, Josie? I believe that every shop owner is part of their shop. I believe that it's a begrudge service. That's where it starts from. So all I can say is I don't believe any shop owner goes and to deceive anybody. I think sometimes mistakes happen. And I think as shop owners, maybe if that mistake or your, your mechanic technician has made a, a mistake, own up to it, be accountable, fix it. That's all the customer wants. So in that stuff, where is that perception? I think we're better than we're used to. I think we still can make the industry does still have a little bit of that perception. I still hear it from people. So we just got to keep going. Like I said, shop owners, look at yourself. Whoever's listening to this, look into yourself. What else you can make? What, what can you do for that bias to disappear forever? Um, and and, and un unfortunately, it starts with when you buy the car and you go into a dealership or you buy a used car, hmm, experience sometimes is not so good. Then you go for your warranty and then the dealer gives you a hard time sometimes. You know, that's what that's where I like I never worry about the dealer because I already have customers that I literally have to call the dealer to advocate for them to get something under warranty that should be under warranty. And they're saying I had one one person just uh, a month ago that they said, Oh. Um, we said, this is on the recall. Well, it's not on our computer. It doesn't show up. Even though the recall is there, we can see it. It's not on their computer, so they don't care. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. You're going to change the motor on, on this particular Hyundai with this motor. So like we advocate for people. So that's where like I try to put the, the, the dealer world aside. And, and, and I think that's where it starts. It's not us. I think it starts from that world. Because, you know, uh, every other day there's on, on TV is a show what uh, dealers did or what happened and they bought a car, used car and all the negativity around it. So that's where it starts. So by the time they come to us, we want to give them that good experience. And, and, and again, transparency, honesty and all those things that people are looking for is just what we can continue doing to stop the stigma, stop the bias and we can just keep going. I try to lead by example and I am 100% sure that every shop owner on this thing believes they're doing the same thing. So we just got to keep at it. And eventually people will believe it. And the bad apples, what are the bad apples? Eventually they're going to disappear. They won't survive. So we just, I, I always focus on the, the, the most versus like the one or two uh, bad apples, you know, because eventually they'll be washed out. They'll be flushed. So right. let's focus on it and continue on our yeah, path because we're on a certain. good path. We've seen certainly seen all of the kind of ghost car shows on uh, expose news items where, you know, they go to, 12, going out. They go to twelve. They go to twelve shops, and and they're like, but these three shops, you know, 
did something crazy. You know, the nine of the shops were great. And then that they stopped talking about the nine shops and then they, they focus on the three shops Thank or you. one shop or two shops that were just grasping at straws because they didn't have the training to execute the repair. And then they get nervous and then they're in front of a camera and then they're saying all the wrong things. And, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're not always, uh, the one thing I will say about, you know, this industry is not always the best communicators. We just got to keep at it in the news and, and, and getting out there and, and advocating and, and, and showing positivity in your communities. Let your communities believe that you are different, that the aftermarket is different. You know, dealerships, they're corporations. I'm not saying they're going out to do anything wrong either. Like, by all means, I'm not, I'm not trying to put any negativity on. But, like, when it starts from buying the car, that's where it starts, or a used car, or, like, these segments that come, or customer complaints that they have to go to the nice man on, 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 on the TV and, and help them fight something because they bought a used car and they're in a disaster. Or the kilometers have been pulled back. Like, look at all the stories they talk about. How rarely do they talk about positive stories? I've had, you know, like so many positive sums because of my signs and the messaging and the stuff I do. I've been fortunate enough to have positive stories. So many, so many to, to, to even like, it's, it's been the big biggest achievement in my life. Like every single memory I have and event or event or any, even any review. Like I feel so blessed to be in the industry and what I've been able to accomplish but you know we all got to do it together and i think we can i i think i think we're better yeah i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna switch switch up because we're down to our last five minutes or so but i wanted to ask you catherine uh from your perspective now you know with the uh, uh responsible role and uh, and some years in uh, working in the industry now what can uh maybe larger organizations do uh uh, or mid-size to to encourage uh, and support women uh, coming into the industry and kind of the I mean you mentioned you know women have been in HR roles and roles such as that and maybe some marketing stuff for a long time but in the less traditionally female roles what 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 uh, what can the companies do? Uh, in terms of attracting women, I think we need to really have some mentorship programs. I think there's some really some big companies that can have some mentorship programs. They can work with schools and really encourage more females to take a look at opportunities into this industry. Um, but really as a whole in Canada, I think we need more co-op placements at the higher levels of the industry. Because um, once you get jobbers and service providers, they, those are where the majority of our co-op students go today. We need more manufacturers, suppliers, vendors in this industry providing co-op opportunities to students today. We also need more warehouse distributors providing co-op opportunities, so whether male or female. But we do we have been seeing a bigger influx of more females interested in this industry. So we really need to figure out how we can get them not only interested, but applying to our companies. We need to figure out how we can attract them and keep them. Um, I think training is key um, across all in, uh, sections of the industry, sectors, sorry. Um, training, mentorship, co-ops, those are probably the big three to get anybody, any new blood into this industry. Excellent, excellent. If there are any other questions, please ask them now while we uh, just kind of uh, wrap it up here. But it certainly sounds like there's a, a 
been improvement uh, over the last decade or so in acceptance of, of women. There's certainly no argument, at least from where I sit, that uh, there are some excellent uh, female professionals bringing a whole new dimension uh, of value to the aftermarket and their communities. Uh, uh, Josie, looking at you uh, in, in very special ways, um, but not just Josie, uh, others as well, uh, you know, who are, I know there's one shop owner uh, who I'd hope to have on this panel who's like, uh, I'm in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> So you're, I'm going to have to take a pass. So Josie is definitely not a one-off. It, it is uh, uh, really uh, a place where at many levels, uh, Catherine mentioned in logistics, in uh, management, in finance, uh, you know, the, the head of one of our uh, largest warehouse distribution organizations is, is a woman. Um, and of course, we all know uh, even at the OEM level and the automakers, they've all been very, very well served by, by uh, female executives, very professional, very effective um, for a long time now. So it's not new. Um, it's not a question of being token uh, females at all anymore, but there's certainly a lot of room for a lot more, right? 100%. Okay, yeah, I want 50% and more females on our sales team because I'm tired yes. of being like four of 100. So, <laughs> okay, okay, so room for room, room to grow for sure. And yeah, I have, uh, I have quite a few relationships with the other female shop owners in Toronto and, and across Canada and some from the States. And there's, 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 there's so many. I am in contact with all of them and I have done mentorships and I will continue to mentor and, uh, you know, continue to hire women. And again, we, we can only, we can only lead by example and keep at it in every area. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Evelyn, you inspire me. Thank you so much uh, for letting me be part of this. And I probably could talk for the next 24 hours. Me too. Um, yeah. We, we, yeah. We, we won't make, we won't make uh, Josie talk for 24 hours. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make her stop and go, uh, go, go rest for a while. This has been fantastic. Thank you everybody for attending. Thank you, Josie and Catherine. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing you all in person before too long, I hope. And uh, everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And uh, we'll see you uh, uh, next session, the digital shop, uh, your importance of your digital footprint within motion branding and uh, Todd Richardson. Uh, hope to see you all there. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast, brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at indiegarage.ca and jobbernation.ca, a brand of chat-integrated media.